Welcome to So Far So Rare. Happy New Year. I'm joined by Chris, aka Bullstar, or at the underscore Bullstars. Chris, how was your Christmas and New Year's and all that malarkey? Yeah, it was very good, John. Thanks. Um, I think I was just saying before we were on, it's quite a hectic time of year for me. Um, got a young family and uh, yeah, it's quite, it was almost nice to be back to work in a way. Just uh, so busy traveling around seeing everybody. But yeah, it was nice. It was, it was a good, good break anyway. Let's hit like let's try and hit just for a bit of fun at the start, like the top three back in the office small talk lines people have around this topic, because you've just kind of hit one of them there. One that I, one that gets me is, um, oh, sure isn't it nice to be back into a routine? That's one. That's one they always say. Or, ah, sure isn't it a lot an awful lot of fuss for one day? They'll say that one as well. Have you any that you hear on the regular? I'll keep thinking. God. I walked. I, now. I walked into a shop yesterday, and I heard two people, and they were like, um, "What did they say?" One of them walked in and said, "Ah, sure, I'm still alive anyway." Oh, sure, look. And the woman goes back. Or it was, it was worse than that. He came in and he goes, "Oh, Susan, how are you?" Ah, David, sure, I'm still alive anyway. What about you? Are you still alive? And David goes, "Ah, sure." Ah, it's like, what the fuck is this banter? What is this? Terrible, terrible. Yeah. Nice. Um, I can't believe anything <laughs> off the top of my head, really. Oh, I've, I didn't brief you on this. Yeah, I just like. Now I'm like, what is this one? This is a this is a stumper to start with. So it happens. They, they only get easier from here. But yeah, it just always gets me. I was out today and hearing things like this, and I actually pulled a, a sly one today. I was walking the dog on my way home to record this, and I seen a guy coming the other way, and he's one of those guys, right? Who lovely guy like genuinely can't fault him really really nice guy and but he would like if you get talking to him you're screwed and i don't really know him like i don't know his second name and i've kind of forget his first name i think it begins with g i guess like jared or gerald or something do you know what i mean but i met him like once like four years ago but if he sees me he will talk so i used the uh, like pretend i'm on the phone one to avoid the small talk i'm a i actually hate small talk i'm really bad i'll cross the street or like avoid the island Tesco. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm just an anti-social exactly bastard. Yeah, not exactly. Especially when you're in a hurry or something. You, you've got like, you're trying to get something done quick and get mm. off somewhere else. And you see that person and you know it's that person that will talk, you know, talk your ear off for yeah. 10 minutes. People say that about me sometimes. If you speak to Haber... Haber said that about you. <laughs> Listen, it's, Haber, it's not true this. <laughs> Hey, we will say, I will sort your ear off. But we'll see anyway. We'll I, see. I yeah, time will tell. The, the next hour. That interesting. That's my opinion anyway. <laughs> Do you know, like, well, the next hour will be the judge of it. But um, in terms of avoiding people because of time, I think I just avoid people sometimes to avoid people, which is really mean. I just, um, I don't know. I'm Maybe not a small talker. Maybe it's a 24 resolution. Yeah. Maybe I need to just embrace small talk and be a nice guy. Anyway. Yeah. So, in terms of what we're going to talk about, you know, everyone was off for Christmas, including so rare um, employees for the majority, I'd say, for the most part. So there haven't been a lot of like announcements. Um, Elephant the room, community sentiment isn't great. We'll maybe touch on that. Lots of questions. I probably allude to that when I put out for questions for us. And then we're going to kind of just dig into a few things Nicholas has been up to because he wasn't sleeping over Christmas. He was, uh, well, maybe over Christmas, but the twenty ninth of December and. 3rd of January and stuff, he's tweeting, he's a bit more active these days, so we have stuff there to talk about. Um, so yeah, before we do that, do you want to let people know, because this is your first time, you guessed for the first time in a while, because I, I tend to recycle the same 10 or 15 degenerates, but uh, Chris, do you want to let people know roughly like how long you've been on, whereabouts you play, is it limited, is it unique whereabouts, and um, yeah, just a quick synopsis so they know where you're coming from. You'll have to time me on this one and just say stop. If I keep talking too much, just say stop, Chris. Right, you, going on you have one minute and seven seconds. <laughs> Elevator pitch. <laughs> right, so um, I joined Feb 21, so uh, about a week before the Gary V boom, so I timed that quite well. Boom. Um, had a similar path to a lot of guys um, who played a game from the UK, so I came from fo- Football Index initially. Escaped their... Losing a little bit of money, but could have lost a lot more had I stayed about another month. Mm. So I got out at a, a fairly okay time. Um, and joined Sorare at a good time, like I say, just before the Gary V boom. So uh, put a bit of money in, 
Um, basically, went in and played it as a flipping game initially. Joined, um, I was in and out within two months with a you know quite a good profit, six seven k profit. Um, didn't play then over the summer that 2021, but kept an eye on the game, kept an eye on the market. Um, heard about the SoftBank funding being rumoured for months and about the La Liga deal, which was also rumoured for quite a long time. Came back in August that year um, and started building up my gallery then basically to sort of target the the old all-star rare threshold. Um, and then kind of found my way into, I guess, the time of year it was, concentrate on building an America gallery. So it was, you know, going into kind of the, the winter period that year um, where the, there's always a dip on the America um, players picking them up for good prices um, started picking up a couple of super rares at that point as well um, and then into 2022 kind of played at, um, you know a few rare teams and, and all-star pro and America pro um, if you look at my gallery now I'm playing limiteds and rares at the minute so I've had a very kind of um, unusual path really where I kind of have up and down periods of um, I've sold, you know, gallery off completely at points um, or, or virtually to nothing three or four times. Um, and whether by luck or judgment, um, you know, time the market quite well. Um, I've come back in and started again from kind of June last year on, on virtually nothing. I think I had about £100 gallery at that point. Um, met, sort of played limiteds try to target um, value picks um, rather than kind of the big names. And I've just gone up to uh, playing rares again recently. So I'm just starting to, um, you know, build a, a bit of a rare contingent up again at the moment. And again, kind of focusing on the uh, America regions as I've done previously. Um, and that's kind of where I'm up to today. So it's it's a, a topsy-turvy gallery. I've had a very various kind of different you know, sizes mm. at a minute it's worth like 1k my gallery and it, it's topped out about 15k last uh, sort of summer 2022 um, and that's where I am now John yeah unreal well I said I'd give you one minute and seven seconds it took three minutes and 12 seconds wow. yeah I, I didn't want to put in though yeah man it's fucking crazy I just I, I said I'd let you go for the sake of Haber to have a wee laugh at home but um <laughs> No, it's a good synopsis, and um, you've obviously been in and around the game, and you've you've been up and down the kind of the levels a bit, and it's nice that you've you've focused on the trading. And you know, a lot of people come on and talk about the game. I think a lot of people. I don't think I've had too many people come on. Re I think because I'm, I'm rambling here because I'm trying to get my point across. I think because I've been recycling the same ten, fifteen guests for quite a while, and they're all diehard lovers of the game. We always talk about the game and playing the game, and not a lot of people who I have on here have ever really been like flipper trader focused do you know what i mean i don't feel like that's something we talk about a lot in this podcast i mean i would never refer to myself as a flipper mm. uh, or a trader really I'm, I'm just somebody who i think what i've tried to do my, my my sort of strategy has always been to try and find good quality players before the rest of the market catches up with them Mm. And and try and dig into the stats, you know, look at things that maybe aren't as obvious straight away, or or they haven't got a history of of big scores. Um, pick those players up before they're known, and then you know play them for a while, for a few months, and wait for the the value to to mature, and then sell them into you know a rise. Um, I think most of so us struggle to actually do it. that. We all struggle to actually sell on the rise. You know, selling when they're actually doing well is like, oh, but that's when I want to play them. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. And there's, there's times where, I mean, I have had big players in my gallery at points and every time I've bought a big player, I've lost money on them. Hmm. You know, I find it I find it a really hard strategy. I think that, you know, the most common way of playing, especially kind of amongst the bigger users, is obviously to go, look, I'm going to buy the, the best players in the game, plug them in my lineups and churn rewards. Hmm. And I just think that strategy is kind of, it, it works to a point, but you're relying on the fact that your SO5 performance is going to be very, very good. And 
you know you are going to be able to churn those rewards that are of high value and 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 that's how you're going to get your returns i think if you if you can kind of you know my my thing has always been if you can buy a kind of a low point but buy good quality if you can identify those players that are in a bad spell and just know that it's form based or a change of circumstance will will change to kind of you know an improvement in scores and performance if you buy quite low there's always a um you know, there's a natural um, progression and, and kind of curve in, in, in where they can go to in terms of price and performance. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're buying at the top, how much better can a player become? You know, how, how, how can you get any price appreciation off, off, a, off a player who's already churning out, you know, an L15 of 60 plus, you know, consistently? Mm-hmm. There's nowhere for them to go. Um, and, and especially, I suppose, the other, the other thing with that is, you know, looking at kind of where players are playing and, and regionally and what clubs they're playing for, you've got to kind of sometimes look at, you know, where's their career going to go in, in the next six months or, or next 12 months. And, and if you're buying the top challenger players or the top second division players, where are they going to go in their career? And, and quite often the answer is they're going to go to a bigger club. They can go to a Champ Europe club and... You know, the the they've got a downwards mm. slide quite quickly coming in 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 you know unless you can kind of time your sale well and, and get out of that player. Um, whereas if you're buying somebody who maybe, you know, I don't know, like a a periphery player for a Champ Europe side, you know, their their upwards move could be well they could drop down to second division. They could mm. they could go to a challenger side. Um, they could go to America, and then become a smasher and. It's. I think there's just so much focus on immediate utility and immediate returns from an SO5 point of view. I just think you put pressure on yourself, and and yeah. that's something I've tried to to mitigate, I guess, with my strategy. I've just done something interesting that I don't normally do. Uh, you got me thinking, and I've went on to the player rankings and so rare data, um, and I've basically said minimum games played over the last fifteen zero. I've went for champion Europe. And I've sorted it by L40. Now, I've already done this while you were chatting to save us time, but you can't see these, Chris, but I'll tell you about them. So, like, Arda Guler, for example, I'm looking at players that have are out of form, out of favour, aren't playing right now, um, but who have a really good L40, but a crap L15 or L5, just to see, like, how they're, they're looking. So, like, Arda Guler was obviously an absolute smasher. Now, how he's going to come into the Real Madrid team, who knows? Um, but you can kind of... He's, a, he's maybe an anomaly due to his sort of age and pricing but Nuno Mendes another one who'd crack an L40 a lot of these are going to be big injuries aren't they really um, but if we just have a look at like limited price over the last sort of six months it's coming down um, if we look at Jeremy Doku obviously he was smashing it and then he's injured be back soon I believe wonder how he's getting on and I'm aware Chris you can't see this or audio listeners but like it's just an interesting way to scout. It's like if you're ready to have that patience, you know, there's like Kevin De Bruyne as well, a player out, a few others are the likes of, um, so De Bruyne actually hit a bottom and now because he's coming back, people are getting excited again. James Madison, Eric Curbelo, no idea who the guy is, but if you look at his SO5 scores over all time, used to be a killer, doesn't really play anymore, he's a sub. I don't know what his situation is, but he gets a move to another team. Maybe that's a guy who becomes a smasher again. I have no idea about his circumstances. But like this is a card that within the last year has peaked out at two hundred and six euros. The minute you can buy him for six euros twenty three, you know, just for an example, um, Jacob Christensen at Cologne, all time used to went through a purple patch. No idea in a circumstance. Do your own research. In the last year, peaked out at twenty five quid. Okay, yeah, that's not a, quite the dramatic story. Sully March, Yusuf Sabali. I'm done with my little case study there, but. That kind of like Solly looking March for guys. Yeah, I mean, Solly March was one I noticed the other day. I mean, his price is so low at the moment. Mm. I mean, you know, other ones that I've, I've kind of been looking at just then, Jaden Sancho, you know, I mean, yeah. Sancho, you know, Dortmund previously was just ridiculous. I mean, you're talking one of the best players in, in Champ Europe probably three, four years ago. And he wasn't on the game at that point, you know, and it's, He's not been playing in the in the Man United side this season. Really, he's fallen out with them. But that that move, and I didn't buy a Sancho to be fair. But you know that move has been mooted for like months that he's gonna he's gonna leave Man United. Everyone's known that for the last three months, and there's been a lot of talk about him going back to Dortmund. 
And look, there's no guarantee that he's going to go back there and kind of done, you know, do what he did before. But I think when you look at a player's price like that and, and his age and his potential ceiling, there's players like that and there's loads of players like that across the platform that the the upside is is massive compared to what the downside is. Mm. And when you're buying at a low, there's not that much downside. They can't go that much lower than where they are. Yeah, the upside can be, you know, three or four X what, what they are now in price and in performance can just be completely, I mean, from a player who's not even playing at Man United, if Sancho goes back to Dortmund and does, you know, anything similar to what he's done before, you've got a real top champ Europe player on your hands there that, you know, and could potentially get back in England squad at some point, um, you know, is... He is still U23 till, till well, only till the summer. But, yeah. you know, he's got a long career ahead of him is the point. And, and, you know, a history of big scores previously. And that change of circumstance in a team which, you know, fits him better and he's, he's happier in and, and he's, he's kind of back playing football again is a prime example of that kind of strategy of, of buying those sort of players. Hoiberg as well at Tottenham. I mean, Hoiberg is one I picked up in the last week or so. You know, at Tottenham, he's kind of out in the cold under the the manager there now. But if you look back a year, the guy's churning out huge scores, you know, every week. Yeah. Um, and he does for Denmark, you know, again in the summer when the Euros come around. Hoibo for Denmark's a, a great player. I saw um, a weird stat the other day, and I don't know if it's true. I saw it something along the lines of like, it was like most progressive passes in the Premier League this season or progressive passes per 90 or forward passes per 90 or whatever the, the metric was. It was like Trent and Trippier were top with like 7.8 of whatever this was per 90 and Hoiberg was sitting in like third and I was thinking, the man's barely playing. But um, yeah. still right up there. He, he used to be an absolute killer and as you say for Denmark, he's a, he's a smasher. While you were talking about Sancho, I had his scores on the screen here. I've sorted it by on Sorare Data, his... Um, Borussia Dortmund starts in 28 starts for Borussia Dortmund that, that that's so rare data have got on their side I don't know if there was more before this he averaged a score of 72 now this was in starts exclusively in the 28 starts he had 10 goals and 13 assists he had an average AA score of 21.5 um, like the man just absolutely slayed you know he, yeah, he, he was a monster an absolute monster um so it, it's just interesting, like, you know, a lot's happened to the boy in the last few years, like, but if he can get it back... I think that's the other, that. you know, again, the other thing, and I jotted this down, was that, um, you know, Sancho, when he was at Dortmund, he wasn't on the game at that point. There were, you know, there were no Sancho cars until he moved to Man United. And I think, again, you know, whether that's football knowledge, and I think there's a, sometimes a mixture between well, a difference between so rare knowledge and real football knowledge. And we know about Sancho because, I mean, again, when we played, not to talk about it too much, but Football Index, Sancho was the boy, wasn't he? Mm. He was the man for like a couple of years on, on Football Index. He was the, I think he was the most expensive player in the game probably at, at points. Um, and he absolutely smashed. You know, he absolutely smashed. And because his cards were never available at Dortmund, I don't know whether he's one that, you know, people had never thought about enough or, or never kind of considered or or if it is just that it's purely, a, you know, you look at what he's done in the last 12 months at, at Man United, which is very little and probably mm. very little since he's been there. And there's just no consideration for what his potential could be. Um and yeah, if he goes back there and does anything like what he did previously, he's going to be a monster again. Mm. And that's that's the you're way. Going to... to buy one now, don't you? <laughs> and, uh, do you know what? Do you know something funny? Actually, it was about two months ago. I, I remember looking at a super rare of his. Um, I didn't buy it, but now it's one of those as well where you f feel like you've missed out because the price is spiking and anyone's going to hold you to ransom. But yeah, I don't know. Stranger things have happened than me going and buying a, ro a, a random Jaden Sancho. Um, let's talk about a few things that have happened. So the only things that have really been announced on SoRare since I last spoke on this podcast, which was just before Christmas, there's a manager ID. So there's a new manager ID, your new SoRare status symbol. So 
I think it's this bad boy if I pull up my screen. The manager ID is this big box with like your name. You can pop up a few badges or emblems. Shows how many followers you've got when you joined. Your cards won your total collection score. Cards owned and then your level. Um, do you like it? Do you care for it? Where, where are people getting... I'm seeing people picking stadiums out all, all over the gaff. Where's that? Did you buy them with um, coins or something? Yeah, it's in the options. I think it's in edit. I think you go into edit and then... Um, or maybe it's not. I'm having a look now. Because I went I into edit expecting to be able to do it and couldn't. Yeah, I did do my stadium yesterday. I can't remember where it was now, but um, let's have a look. Um, hmm. Can't work it out. But yeah, it, it, I mean, I think it, it, it's nice. It's kind of a cosmetic change. Maybe it's I don't a know that there's any major value to it in terms of you know, it, it changing things massively. Um, I think it probably ties in, you know, with the whole um, big launch that they're looking at doing with, you know, the apps available on Android and, and um, iOS that's that's kind of coming in the next few weeks and the Rivals launch. So I think it smartened things up, uh, smartens things up. And, uh, you know, from a marketing point of view, it looks quite neat. Um, I don't know what the plans are long term for it. If there's any more depth to it than this, it looks like some of it. To me, you know, when they were talking about the whole like um, training facilities and they already uh, had the assets built. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think it was all ready to go, and you had all these different things you could do, and they're just going now. Look, we built it all. Look, have it, have it for free. You know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's nice from a cosmet cosmetic point of view, but I don't really get what else it's it's doing too much at the minute. Um, so that happened. They just that was an announcement on their Discord. There's an EA Sports FC Super Cup experience, which is essentially the Italian Super Cup. Um, so you can travel with a friend from Italy to Saudi Arabia for a VIP experience inclusive of travel, accommodation, VIP tickets, gala dinner tickets and more surprises. Sounds fun. The, surpri the surprises when you get there, you can't drink though. <laughs> <laughs> That's so a surprise. Can... <laughs> you can drink in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so it's, uh, you travel with a friend, which is nice, and it's inclusive of flights, lodging, blah, blah, blah. So it's nice that it is like, if you win it, we're bringing you, you know, because that's always a complaint we have about experiences or like tickets. Um, so it it's kind of a runs cool you prize, through. though, isn't it? It's a very cool prize, really. Yeah. So you get tickets to the Man. final match, signed merch, a warm up experience. Whenever you actually get into the, the, I don't know, the weeds of it, the small print. So two invitations for the Super Cup Gala Dinner. God knows who'd be there. Probably a load of footballers. A warm-up experience. Two VIP tickets for the final match. Signed March and more. Like that, that looks like a dream. This looks like the type of thing I'd love so rare to let me do and bring someone for a video. Because <laughs> you don't get enough freebies already, John. No, I don't I don't get enough VIP tickets <laughs> at all. <laughs> Cue the uproar. Saudi Arabia. I need to take that off my list. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take Saudi Arabia off the list, but um, yeah, no, it looks it looks like a fun prize. It looks like a fun prize. Yeah. So fair play to them. Um, cool. And they've launched some new batches of cards for the French league. So Angers, Saint Etienne, and Marseille are back. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you know they've they've mentioned about um, missing clubs coming back on, haven't they, in the next few mm. weeks? So that's obviously the start of it. Marseille are a big club to to get back on. Um, you know, it'd be nice to see PSG again. Um, you know, and, and get Mbappe back in the prize pools. Yeah. Um, who else am I see? I think I, I'm sure I saw Porto and Benfica as well. That um, there's there's talk they they're coming back on, which is which is pretty good. I think they are two big ones that have been missing for a, a little while, aren't they? So mm. um, that'd be nice to see as well. Do you know who I always wanted? I always wanted Montpellier because I always wanted Teji Savanier. It's such a random one, just an FI throwback. Um, yeah, he I always still does him. really well as well. You know, he's still he still just now. churns. He's just churning for years. It's what he does. Yeah. He's thirty-one now. Um, but yeah, so that's basically it from a Discord perspective. Now, if we go over to Twitter, Nicholas Julia himself was a little more active. So I'm just going to kind of read through this and butt in on me or we'll, we'll talk with things that are interesting. A few things to expect in early 24, that is now. 
uh, in Surare Pro, in football. So there's going to be a new competition structure mirroring the real world of football. Star players be star players. I don't know what this is going to mean. A new competition structure. This could be a big change. Yeah, it could. I mean, my me, from my point of view, I'm speculating here about what I think that means. But I think that, and this does not benefit me at all. It would benefit you, John. But I, I think that there, need, there needs to be a way of separating the, the top players in real life uh, and making them more special within the, the so rare world. So at the minute, if you compare, say, you know, Joshua Kimmich, in terms of where you can use him in the game compared to, say, Carlos, Carlos Gill, you can use them in every single competition the same bar Champ Europe and Champ America. So bar the regionals, you can play them in everywhere else the same competition. Now, I know the Champ Europe players are still more expensive than everywhere else currently, and they probably should be, but I don't think there's a big enough gap. If you look at real-life quality of player, yeah. I mean, you know, they'd never be on the same pitch as each other. You know, you're talking Kimmich is, is like the top midfielder in the world, or certainly has been over the last few years, against a guy who, all right, is probably the top midfielder in the MLS for the last few years. But the difference between Champions League-level footballer, World Cup-level footballer, and the guy who's who's one of the top guys in the MLS in real life terms is just massive. Yeah. And I, I, I think if you're gonna try and make the game make sense to new users, you know, if you take your so rare half and say, I haven't been playing the game for a while and I'm brand new to the game, you're gonna turn up and go, Why is why can I use these guys in the same competitions? Or and I'm not saying I'm, I'm I, I want to change that particularly, but why is there not a bigger difference in in um, in price of those players when the scores are kind of similar? And mm. I can use the cheaper guy in, in all-star and cap modes, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, I I see it and I think that there, there might be a move to restructuring the regional competitions and going, look, we're going to really juice up the prize pools in Champions Europe and then have like a hierarchy of going, okay, Champ Europe's the, the top competition, maybe going down to say second division as the as the lowest and everything else in between. <coughs> and the the you know, the cash rewards, ETH rewards giving given out in those competitions is then structured downwards accordingly. Mm. And what you can do with that is if you make Champ Europe or, or potentially even, you know, um single division competitions like a Premier League comp at all scarcities or, or, or something like that, you know, you can you can push value into those big name real life star players. And to me that just makes a lot of sense as a as a product to to go down that road. Yeah, I hear you. We'll we'll see what it comes what it could mean so many things. Star players be star players. I, I can't even I'm trying to I'm trying to speculate. I just know there's been some complaints about like people winning stars and they end up with like a DMP goalkeeper or some dodgy. You know what I mean? Some dodgy. I mean the, the prize pools over the last few weeks. I was looking at um, U23 prize pool the other day, and you had Will Dennis from Kilmarnock and you had Zach Zach Hemming from St Mirren. Now the two goalkeepers and U23 goalkeepers obviously always carry a premium. But if you, you know, said to the normal man in the street, do you know who Will Dennis is or or, or Zach Hemming? Nobody's got a clue. And they're mm. in the star prize pool for U23. And yeah. that, to me, just says it's all wrong. And it's it's ridiculous, yeah. you know. The, the maddest um, thing is here, like, his second point is better reward structure for all sports. More exciting openings, boxes, I like that. More exciting prizes in general. Managers want to dream big and the price structure will be adjusted accordingly. So they're going back to the jackpot factory. I'll mention my point here, and then we'll get on to that, because there's a couple of exciting things there. But, ultimately, rewards have been an issue on this game for three, four, five years. From the get-go, they have never solved the rewards issue. Rewards is always the biggest bitching session of the whole platform, and has been since I can remember. I can't remember a time where rewards weren't an issue. Yeah. Like, is there an answer? 
Because surely that company has been sat working on it for three years and they can't work it out. Can anyone work it out? Other than manually I mean, I, doing every reward? And even that, does that work it out or are there problems there? Human error? I, I just, I don't know. I just think like, it's been so long of rewards and rewards and rewards. To the point that I almost never really talk about anymore because I'm sick to death of it. But it probably should be spoken about because it's just like, I don't know, it's just been years. Literal years. I think, I think the thing is, uh, you know, when you when you you know get a tier one or, or a star reward in a competition, you know, it, if you're a big user or a small user, it, it, it is kind of the same. But I suppose from a, a small user's point of view, you don't win big rewards like that very often. And when you do, you're excited. If you've done well in a competition and you've got a you know, a tier one on the way or a star on the way, even a tier two, because tier two should be pretty good on the whole now. If you then end up with something, you know, a player that's, you know, subpar and shouldn't be in there, it's just such a letdown and such a kind of, you know, deflationary feeling. And they need to create that excitement. They need to get, you know, people really pushing to kind of win those top rewards and, and, you know, engage with the game. And, and if they're not, then it is a problem, you know, it is an issue. Um, I think the DMP thing as well, obviously they've included DMP plays back in the, in the prize pools again, and they've just messed that up as well. Mm. So I think they're aware of it and, and I'm expecting that there'll be some kind of changes made fairly quickly on it. But um they seem to want to introduce, you know, down to tier five. The whole point of that was that the star pool was a lot smaller and it was going to be real star players. And they kind of looked like they got it right for a while and it's just slipped back to kind of a bit of a mess again. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you know, I think they are aware. So hopefully they, they do sort it out. But it has on, gone on for way too long. On a second point, like more exciting openings, I'm looking forward to seeing how much they lean into boxes. Um, more exciting prizes in general and this line about managers want to dream big and the price structure will be adjusted accordingly I think since Mbappe wasn't under 23 and since card values have went it's something that's been spoken about recently a bit in podcasts and whatever I've listened to it is the fact that like our jackpot used to be 50k and then it reduced to 40k, 30k, 20k, 25k whatever down to 10k down to what is the most exp who is the most expensive guy at the minute Bellingham or something Maybe a Bellingham. Yeah, it's probably Bellingham or Harlem, isn't Our it? Our jackpot has went from being like... I mean, even take out the anomalies of the 50 grand Mbappe's years ago. If our jackpot was 10k relatively recently, our jackpot now is 1,500 quid. Now, I know there's cash, but that's the reality of rare players. And I know super rares are different and whatever else. But the jackpot has been decimated over time. And I think if you bring the jackpot back in, it's just that carrot for people to chase, isn't it? I, I just and that, think and I, that goes back to the whole star players being stars again. It's it's having that razzmatazz and that excitement and that you know it's stretching the market out so that those players are really worth you know um, worth winning and and you know being excited about, I suppose. Mm. Um, and that comes down to value of player as well as. Um, don't know if you can hear me or not chris but you've broke up so i'm gonna keep talking until you come back um so the what, what i find interesting about this is that if we get more exciting openings it's great for reward openings reward openings i wouldn't say they're stale because everyone still loves a wee reward opening but the problem is that whenever i go to do a reward opening people know from the get-go if i'm opening a tier five they already know it's shit if it's a tier four, they already know it's shit. So people only really get exciting for reward openings whenever it's a tier one or a star. And even then, you know it's great. So there's no mad chance involved. It's all very like predetermined. It's a box opening that's somewhat predetermined. It's like, I'm excited because I know this will be good. And the only thing that can go wrong with a tier one or a star is that you're disappointed. Whenever it's a tier five or tier four, you're very seldom overjoyed. You're back, Chris. I just started chatting there. Um... So I love the idea of the openings of the boxes because it's like, this could be fucking anything. And yes, I have a better chance because I finished better, but this could be anything. And it is going to lead to a lot of disappointments. But I mean, FIFA pack openings are tried and tested for virality. Do you know what I mean? Do you think from a content point of view, it's going to give you a lot of, you know, scope to do stuff with that then? With the, it's way the better. Box 
I think yeah. it's way better, yeah. Especially if you're winning more boxes. Do you know what I mean? You won't have to cover the screen up anymore, John, will you? I know. Jeez, time is... <laughs> Remember that? Like, it's, it's, it's one of those where if you're opening 20 boxes because the boxes are a piece of piss to win, but 19 of them are going to be disappointing, one of them's going to bang, it's still just better for content, I think, than, as I say, like, a reward opening at the minute. It's predetermined fun. It's like... This is a tier five, so it's gonna be shit. You're, you're you're seldom excited, and whenever it's a star at tier one, you either get what you hope it was gonna be, and then it's what you hoped it would be, and it's like, yes, I actually got it. But more often than not, it's a, why am I getting Vladimir Falcone? Do you know what I mean? I wanted a Verts. I wanted a. You know, you're you're wanting, you have, the reward you want, and you often get worse. So I just feel it's always disappointment or what's expected. It's very seldom. In so rare reward openings that it's like, oh my god, I won him! How did I win him? That's why you don't win. I don't think I'll ever react like the FIFA streamers, but you know that's why you don't get that level of reaction. Whereas the FIFA streamers open it and they open like two hundred boxes, and they're just sitting there opening two hundred boxes, and it's all like seventy-eight rated. Oh, I got an eighty-four. Oh, I got a this, and then it's like icon, and that's when they shit their cacks and throw chairs at walls. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying we necessarily you, um... need that, but. You know, we had the um, 270 um, survey, didn't we, the other day? Yes. I know we, we talked about that, about that before we were on. Um, in the responses to that, then, did you say that you'd like to have a lot more uh, mystery box competitions? Yeah. I think I said I yeah. wanted everything to be mystery box, apart from, really? apart from Cap 240, because I don't want them replacing the thresholds. Yeah. So I didn't put Cap two forty in, and I didn't put like regions, but I put like the All Star tournaments. Even though I love the rewards there, but I think like All Stars fair game, and then the Cap modes, and then any sort of specialist or like legends, I think should be reward boxes. But that's purely from a content point of view. You're thinking about that, isn't it? Or are you trying? Yeah, or pretty are you much. Thinking about it from a user as well. I'm not thinking about it from a yield perspective. I'm thinking about it from a content perspective. Purely. How do you think the um, average user would would kind of? take to that do you think that would be received badly though or do you think it's i think reward boxes are better for smaller managers because it gives them the chance of a big card whereas i think like if you're a big player who wins and gets top 20s regularly you don't need the chance of a good card you're going to go and win your good cards maybe i'm wrong yeah. maybe like come back at me with the counter here by all means but if you're a small user who struggles to get in the top 100 top whatever top <laughs> 20 you have the chance, of, and albeit it might be not point not 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 one percent, but you have the chance of a Harry Kane, you have the chance of a Kimmich, you have the chance of the heel Mary crazy moment, and that's. No, I, I think, think you're right. I mean, I, I think the um, the trial that they did recently with the the reward box two seventy, it you know the amount of um, entries per week. Chris is gone again for me there. Chris, you'll be back, and I'm sure you can hear me. Um, I think you were saying the entries per week has went up. Are you back? Can you hear me? Yeah, no, go for it. Uh, connection. Yeah, um, I was saying that, sorry, the um, the number of entries per week in the reward box 270 were much higher than the, the normal two, 270 competition. And I think that shows that, doesn't it, that, that people were excited and are willing to take that, that gamble on because of the upside. And for me, like every time I win a tier four or tier five, I just view it as like trading collateral with 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 bots. So I just, you know, mm. just put push them together and then go get something I want anyway, which is it's quite boring. You know, it is boring, and you just see it as a, you know, a small value to try and to try and sort of trade with. So um, yeah, I think I probably agree with. You. I think I think that in in limited level especially. Um, for smaller managers, I think it, it's probably quite a good move to have that mm. um, in more competitions, isn't it? I think so. Um, the next points here are all pretty ones we can bang through. Clearly communicated windows that can make changes in core gameplay twice a year. I think that's positive. We don't want the game being changed. We want to own our game. We don't want it being changed around on us every week, every month. Manager ID, we touched on. A mobile first scouting experience. You know, I think everything's leaning towards mobile these days, which is very positive. Uh, revamped user journey levels to guide users at each step of their career obviously the more education the better so rare rivals is moving from closed to open beta 
beta, beta. I think think about it as a simplified mobile first social head-to-head version of SoRare Pro, aiming at onboarding a more casual audience that we can't onboard with SoRare Pro. And a big surprise at launch. Current gameplay is not reflecting what you'll see at launch. So they're making a change to it by the sounds of it. Um, something I'm going to dovetail onto that is another tweet he put out a few days later. He says, what do we want to see popping off the magic boxes? Hashtag so rare rivals. And it is a rivals box. And in that box, there look to be... The tickets that come out are like arena entries. So it looks like more arena entries for rivals. But he's asked, like, what do we want to see in them? So it looks like on rivals, people are going to be able to win actual prizes. And that might be based off your like rivals score. Like, what is your you know the wee lightning bolt thing your your overall what do they call that your rank what is your rank yeah maybe it's to do with the best ranks of the day or best scores of the day or best scores in a game or i don't think it'll be like me and you can play each other and like the winner gets something i think it'll be much more like a, a larger leaderboard for every game of you know every game but then does that lead to the guys who have the super rares and the rares and the uniques will just win all those because that's the one thing that I don't really like about Rivals, but I understand why they have to have it. Like I hate. That I wonder whether. Um, I wonder whether you'll be kind of, um, you know, matched more closely against um, users with kind of similar sized galleries or or certain scores and things like that, so that um, you know you don't just get hammered by somebody with you know five super rares from from one team and, and have a stack or something against five commons each time because you've got to make it so it's um you know for new use new users so it's enjoyable and yeah. if you're just going to enter it and get hammered by people all the time it's it's not going to be much fun is it really so there needs to be a way of of kind of controlling that doesn't there mm-hmm. um but i think i like you know again going back to kind of the the reward bo- reward box um type of thing I think that's quite cool for for rivals, and I think there's a lot they can do with that. So, I mean, you know, the whole point of it is to try and encourage new guys into into playing the pro version of the game, and you know, things like um, auction credits would be really good in there. So, you know, if you had a, I don't know, twenty percent off or fifty percent off um, buying a player from auction, um, you know, that kind of thing, I think would work really well. Um, and then you know encourages people to then start spending money and, and playing the the proper version of the game. Really, I agree. I think um, a percentage off the likes of instant buy would work. Maybe you meant to say like uh, credits, like pounds off. Because if it was twenty percent off, I'd just go and buy a unique and then resell it. Do you know? <laughs> like that's the dream. Give me fifty yeah, percent. That'd be some sort of capital control on that. <laughs> Um, ambassadors <laughs> yeah exactly ambassadors their first mainstream campaigns with star athletes be interesting to see partners addition of a couple of iconic clubs that have been missing for a while a detailed roadmap in the coming days this was on December 29th so we must be that must be due um, and yeah that was pretty much it from, from Nicholas um, so yeah that's us kind of caught up I think there's a load of questions though from the community for us so I'm going to go through them in order of most liked um, and I have no idea what they say. McBride, you always time the market really well. What scarcity do you think is particular value at the moment? What are your plans for your own gallery? So, at the moment, I think rares are a massive value. Um, and I've gone back into rares in the last six weeks. Um, I put together... So, my, my own plans are to build up kind of a, a, a bit of a rare contingent i've only got about 12 rare players at the minute but probably having a squad of i don't know 20 um to juggle between cap 240 and 220 um i mean i, I entered i entered cap 240 the last week so i built up a, a little collection of rosario central players um from argentina so those guys have got midweeks as well they've got midweek utility they're in copa libertadores um, which starts in a couple of months' time. Um, and I bought those guys for 140 quid, um, a team of five that I entered uh, last game week they played and won threshold straight away with them. So I got a you know, £40 return off a £140 um, 
five-man team there, which is which is ridiculous, really, in, in mm-hmm. ROI terms. Um, so yeah, I think Rares is Rares a big value at the moment. Um, I think that the you know the Cap Two Forty mode, you know, it is something to target, and I'd say sticking to a lot of players from either certainly from one region ideally from one league and potentially a lot of players from one team is a good way to go, um, especially with the, the collection bonus that you can get. And um, and just look at utility as well. I mean, if you've got guys who have got a lot of midweek fixtures, um, you're going to just, you know, be able to use them a hell of a lot and, and kind of, you know, play that 240 mode as much as possible and, um, and keep banking that ETH. Love it. Let's go and see what the next question is. There's one from FPL Veteran. How long did it take you to build up and compete in rare comps and with how much investment? I don't know. He says um, cheers, John. So I assume this is for you. I mean, for me, I was rare from the get-go because it was the only scarcity when I started. So I'm a... I'm yeah, and I mean, I was you. as well, really. Yeah, I was really as well when I first started. Um, I suppose he probably means from looking at my gallery as it is now... Um, you know, again, kind of what I was saying, really, just to reiterate, I would say um, strategies are buying off season when prices are low. Um, I think buying older players um, who, you know, have got contracts in place for a year or two, and you know that they're, they're, you know, safe from retirement for a while is is great because I think older values just get completely neglected and undervalued by most managers on so rare. Um, and and yeah, focus on utility and try and get as much use out of um, out of those players that you buy as you can. I just saw as I was clicking around these questions for some reason, Timo Werner was trending. Unless it's a different Werner. Where's he off to? That's what I'm wondering. I just saw Werner <laughs> was trending. Timo Werner could be on his way back to. Man United apparently, along with Chupa Moting or Garassi. Apparently they're United's three targets. Anyway, uh, back to our questions. So, next one. Haber, this is his joke lock-in for the longest episode of your life, guys, with Chris's rambling. Shots fired. Um, Withy, always seen you as a bit of, special, of a specialist in South America. What attracted you to that region when you first started so rare? I mean, again, I, I suppose, so when I first started, it was kind of MLS and it was, um, you know, they, they were the first um, players I bought in, in quantity. Um, again, it was time of year. Everyone had focused. It was the whole Gary V boom. Everyone was buying U23 players, Champ Europe players. And I kind of looked and knew the MLS was starting in the April. There was a strangle on supply at that time as well. So the prices went just absolutely insane um when the america season started because there was no supply and then kind of when i when i came back on i suppose back end of that year i bought a lot of river players and and um atlas players and again it was just value you know value versus kind of what i was getting out of them versus utility um you know the mexican players play a lot midweeks river we're playing Libertadores. Um, and I just think they've always been, the South American players, for the quality and the utility that they give you, have just always been um, undervalued in, in the market. So it just comes down to a value, a value proposition again. Um, I think the, I think you can get, you know, you can you can view the games quite easily as well in the UK. Um, and I think the, you know, the info and the knowledge you get about kind of team news and, um transfers and stuff is probably better than than you get from asia as well so um yeah it's just a market i've always been quite comfortable with and and easy to watch the games good value and loads of utility from those players very quickly time to thank so rare data i've mentioned them a few times in this podcast um they support me massively they support this podcast they support this channel um or if you're listening on podcasts the Go and check out YouTube, basically. I put out videos there too. But um, you can get 72 hours free to try everything out in their site. And if you don't like it, you don't have to sign up. And if you do like it, use code John Ellis or the link below. 
Use the link below to get your 72 hours free um, or code John Ellis. This is, do you know what this is? I'm kind of butchering this because it's been two weeks, but it makes it more authentic, Chris. Um, it's been a few weeks off over Christmas. But yeah, Sura Data, use it all the time, use it every day. A feature I love, um, there's many of them. One I used already in this podcast was actually the scouting player rankings um, to pull a load of names out of a hat very quickly. Um, or if you go into pick scores for the upcoming game week, you can filter by all sorts of things to see the best picks of the week um, on your budget. Right, on to another question. This one is from BNZ. What has enhanced your so rare experience as an individual the most and why? For example, setting out a clear strategy, picking clubs to support when you have a lot of their cards, going to games if you have cards from the team. Would be good to hear what you've benefited from the most. For me, it's about like, I, I just watch such so many more teams than I've ever watched in my life and I just follow... Do you know, part of me wants to, you know, teams that I really should know a bit about, but I don't have a clue about. Like, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, Leipzig. I never set notifications for Leipzig games because I don't have any Leipzig players. I've have Chavi Simons at limited, but like I don't really care so much about the limited teams because I give away the rewards anyway. I care about them when I'm setting them up, but then like in terms of them winning over the week. I keep an eye on them, and if some one of the teams is starting to smash on my so rare data app, I'll go in and like put notifications off the other players. But I'm not following all those teams, um, or like, you know, like in France, I'd love to care more about like, like a Marseille. I never know what Marseille are at. I never know what Sevilla are at. Do you get my point? I always want to buy yeah. a player from those teams just so I'm like, oh, following them. If that makes sense or like a leads i want to see how leads are getting on but i don't really have any leads players what's your answer no, i get what you mean i think i think for me i i've liked it's grown my my knowledge of world football like massively um and it's you know when when play when teams are, are linked to players so going back to south america again you know um the likes of Enzo Fernandez and Alvarez and whatnot. Um, when when those kind of players come over to Europe, you know, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of guys I know will ask me and say, you know, oh, you you know about a lot about football from around the world. What's this player like? What's that one like? And I'll have watched those players and I'll have known how they play within a team. I'll known what their strengths and weaknesses are and things. And I just think it's it's grown my my knowledge of of players around the world. Um, mm. a lot more and um, yeah I just think that's quite cool you know as a football fan I just think that's quite a I think most people um, you know particularly in the UK the knowledge is kind of Premier League maybe a little bit of Champions League and that's about where it starts whereas when we you know from playing the game I think most of us are so rare we just have that knowledge don't we of players around the world mm. and when we're watching the World Cup or we're seeing these players linked to to the big European sides, we already know about them, and it's it's just quite cool, like that we've got that that depth of knowledge of, of players from all over the place. So that's what I would say. It is. It's nice because even you know I can bluff it. I'll absolutely bluff it, and I'll be wrong. But the reality is, you see, like the level of like football knowledge among like my friends or family or anyone who asks me. Let's pretend. Garassi. Or someone like he signs for United now just because it's an example. They'll be like, "Oh, this guy Garassi." I'll be like, "Oh yeah, like amazing at Stuttgart, isn't it? Stuttgart he plays at, isn't it?" And I'll be like, yeah. "Oh, he's amazing. I've seen him a bit over there, you know. I know Haruki Ido at the back and the Nubel and goal, and yeah, like really, really <laughs> solid. And yeah, he just scores goals for bluffing it. I don't have a fucking clue about the guy. And then I'll be like, I'll be like, yeah, and his L fifteen seventy one. <laughs> but they'll just be like, "Oh my god, John's so knowledgeable!" And I'm like, "No, I'm fucking not. I'm in a clue." But just that, that's a he's poor great, example. He's, just, he's got a lot of goals, and his scores are good on Sarah. Yeah, I know <laughs> nothing else about his plays now or what he does. I haven't watched the man. I wouldn't know him if I met him in the soup, and I'm there talking about him like you know. Um, here, I have a random story of the week that I didn't, I wasn't going to tell, and it just came to mind. So this is Go a wee bit of a tangent for two minutes. So somehow over Christmas and the few days leading up to Christmas. I went to the worst place in the world. It's also a really good place, but it was with the worst people in the world. So I went to a nightclub in Belfast um, after a rake of pints. I think it was the 23rd of December. Um, I don't know should I name it. 
it's actually, do you know what it is? It's actually a fine establishment to go to for a few pints or a bit of crack with people. So I'll name it Ollie's. It's in the middle of Belfast. Um, and I, you know, I've been there loads in the past. Uh, not loads, but I've been there in the past. I know it. And But we went in anyway. And ended up, this is so wanky. Should I even say that? I'm here now. We ended up in like VIP, VIP, right? Didn't pay for it. Someone bluffed the owl. Jones an influencer card, right? The interesting thing about that statement, Chris, is this. They didn't even check my credentials. It was just like, okay, in you go, right? Um, The place was mobbed because it was coming up to Christmas. Like, you couldn't get to the bar anywhere else. We wanted to go in there to get to the bar. Anyway, went in. And I ended up people watching. These people. I can say this. The people were the worst people in the world. There was a few nice people there. A few people. I actually ended up. I was chatting to um very briefly, and he was actually a lovely guy, Paddy McNair. Joe Paddy yeah, McNair yeah, used to be yeah. United. He was in there. United, didn't yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, Northern Irish, lovely guy. Uh, didn't talk to him for too long, but he, he seemed nice. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but anyway, we were sat down drinking our drink, and I was sitting there like, "What is this?" I heard these lines. These lines were all said. My daddy's earned more in the last two minutes than you'll earn all night. I heard that. I also heard said to a bouncer, my dad knows the owner of this place. This is from a different person as well, which is what makes it crazier. My dad knows the owner of this place. You're fired tomorrow. Right? (laughs) Right? Okay. And I heard a line, something like, um, it was something along the lines of like, I overheard someone saying like, um, I mean, we only have one au pair. We need another one. And I was just, at that point, I was like, what are we doing here? This is just a really, really strange place. But we had a ball because we were just like people watching. Not your kind of people. No, not at all. It was, but it was, you know, for like a one-off, it was good crack to people watch. And the only reason this makes like me telling this story in the podcast is that I didn't believe it would actually be that. I didn't think you'd actually hear those things. I thought that was like the TV, like joke meme version of that yeah, was yeah. reality. People are like yeah. that. There are people in this world like that. I was astonished. So needless to say, I don't think I'll be people, eh? in a rush back. Um, and you know, just like there were like, girls pretty hot girls standing by the bar waiting to be bought drinks in that area and like people buying buy them, John? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah no it's just a fucking weird experience weird, weird wait experience. wait for that uh, um that uh, big youtube star to stroll oh, over fuck oh, off, yeah no i kind of started this one out as a bit of a dick but anyway no i was just blown away the fact that like I just don't know how people like that exist. But anyway, moving on. Crazy. One I've or two a, more. I was going to say, do you know what? That's reminding me I've got a story for you in, oh. in return. So, and it was a night, when he said it, it's a nightclub story over the Christmas season. So a long time ago, I used to DJ in my youth um, at nightclubs. And I was booked to, to play on New Year's Eve at a club not too far from me. So I rocked up and... Um, I used to play, I mean, I used to play sort of hip-hop, R&B, garage, that kind of stuff. So I was in the kind of the secondary secondary room, you know, away from the sort of the party room, basically. And I got to this club, rocked up, set up and everything. And I got there and I said to him, look, what happens? I've never played on New Year's Eve before. And I said, look, what happens when we get to midnight? I don't have anything. I, don't, I haven't got anything to play. Do I have to do a countdown? What happens? What's the crack with it? And they said, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry about it. Promote. So don't worry, don't worry. The sound in the room will cut to the main room and it'll all just take over. It'll just over, you know, overlay your music you're playing. There'll be a live countdown there and, and then it'll just come back and cut back through to you afterwards. I said, yeah, cool, that's fine. So anyway, it's getting up to midnight and it's sort of two minutes, three minutes to 12. And I'm thinking, nice, oh, cool, it's fine. It'll cut through to the main room. I'm there spinning my tune, putting the next one on. So it gets, gets to midnight, nothing happens. It just cuts through. I'm just there playing away. And these two women, they come up to me and they go, what time is it? And I go, it's about three minutes past 12. Happy New Year. Oh <laughs> and they go, Lord. what? They go, what? We haven't had a countdown. We haven't, what, what's going on? It's, it's New Year's Day already. 
You've ruined our night. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sorry. You know, it's not my fault. It's supposed to go to the main room. So, oh my word, that was it. And I, I just got a load of abuse for it. And I was like, I'd say you got pelters. That's, that's what people fault. are waiting for. Yeah, yeah. So, can we call you Baby so you Stish go. from now on? Baby Stish. I used to know where. Uh, well. I say no. I used to play his tunes back in the day. He used to be called Pl uh, Plastic Man when oh, he first yeah. started, and, and um, yeah. So I've known about him for years, which was quite weird, but um, interesting that he's now a big, you know, so rare player yeah. obviously as well. But, uh, Full circle moment. I was yeah. talking speaking of New Year's random ones as well. I was thinking the other day about on the millennium. I would have been seven, well, six and a half coming into the millennium. I remember I had remember the wee alien babies and the like the gel egg. I don't know what age you are. I'm thirty, but like it was I've a just wee. Been 40, actually. Okay, well, geez, you look good for your age, Chris. Thank you. Fucking hell. Um, this is gonna send all the audio listeners over to check you out. But they were like alien babies. It would have been like it was like a little egg thing with this little jelly baby in it, surrounded by like slime. But the whole rumor was that at midnight it would glow up for the millennium. And I remember, like, you know, whenever you're sending your mom and dad, this is going to glow at midnight. And they're like, John, it's not. Like, don't get your hopes up. It's just this. It's not really going to happen, Bob. And I'm like, wait till you see. To the point that, like, <laughs> at like midnight, while everyone's doing the Millennium Countdown, I slid off to the bathroom to check out my alien baby. It sounds like a... <laughs> <laughs> like a, an innuendo but bear in mind it was six and a half so I went in and checked out my alien baby and it didn't do anything I remember coming out absolutely devastated but having to like put on the brave face and be like like where were you John nowhere nowhere just going to the toilet <laughs> do you know like nah I was in checking my alien baby I just remembered that the other night in the countdown anyway one more question <laughs> yeah 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 um, let me see Graham says, as someone jumping properly from limited to rare in the next few weeks, would you say targeting a stack for percentage bonus or go smart with budget and take best of what I know, try and max return for a 240 team to consistently aim threshold and the odd card reward? Does that make sense? I read it in like one big take. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think the key, I do think it's important. I think, you know, if you can have a core of, I don't know, five, six players from one team, it, it helps definitely um, with, with the bonuses and it's going to, it's going to, you know, be an impact for you. I think the key things for me are having some depth and having options because what I see a lot of users doing when they, they kind of try and play at 240 is they go, right, I'm buying five players and they fit for one game week and the next game week comes around and suddenly, you know, they've won the threshold, they've played well and, and it doesn't fit anymore. And then they have to buy another couple of players. So, mm -hmm. You know, for me, it's it, it's about having some some options and, and depth of um, depth of squad, uh, and that would be probably you know twelve, fifteen players uh, as kind of a minimum. Um, and within that, yeah, if you've got if you've got a core of, of players from the same team, certainly it'll help. Um, and yeah, again, try and stick to the same league, maybe, or, or certainly the same region, and, and you know you'll find that you've got more options that will be playing the same game week and that'd be my um, my tips love it um, the last question I'm going to hit with it because it's a hard one to finish on Sora or Delboy how do you think Sora can achieve price stability and stop card prices from continually falling um, it is a hard question to answer I mean ultimately I've always kind of felt with Sora it's just a game of supply and demand and it's you know, there's been periods where demand is greater than supply and periods where supply is greater than demand. And at the moment, we're, we're in the period where supply is greater than demand. Um, they've got to try and, um, you know, put value back into players. I don't think they're going to slow down mint rates particularly. That is their business model. They have to sell cards. Um, I would like to see them introduce... Um, either you know a model where they do have a requirement for x amount of new season cards in certain competitions because i think that will drive demand you know in in, in certainly the new season cards um or um you know other revenue streams like a license model or a you know um, an annual game pass type model that kind of puts less stress on them as a business to just keep printing cards and perhaps if they did that and had other revenue streams they could slow down the mint rate a little bit 
and I think if they did that, you know, um, you'd see you'd see kind of a more of a an equilibrium shift in terms of demand versus supply. Love it. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. People can find you on Twitter at the underscore Bullstars. Um, and anything else you want to plug? A little podcast, perhaps? Um, yeah, just our podcast as well. I mean, you know, um, we do our weekly podcast, so uh, Ramble with SR Monkey and Haber and me. Um, so if you haven't had a listen to that, please check it out. It's on all of the, um, you know, the main platforms. So yeah, please have a listen to that as well. And, and we have a lot of fun on there each week. And um, yeah, enjoy doing it with those guys. So yeah, please check that out if you haven't already. Great. So go and check out the Sora Ramble now that you're done listening to this. And I'll chat to you later. All the best. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.